This is the Ed Connect Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome to the Connect Ed Podcast, connecting classrooms through technology. Hi everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of the Ed Connect podcast brought to you by the digital leaders of the Edinburgh Academy Junior School and myself Martin Willis. I have been teaching at the school now for 11 years and for the last four years I've had responsibility for our e-learning and for developing the use of technology in our classrooms. Recently my team of digital leaders came to me and suggested that they would be keen to host a podcast. And here it is, the first episode of our Ed Connect podcast. Our plan is that every month or so, we will put together an episode of our podcast, which will include an interview with an educator or a group of students from somewhere in the world. And we will look to share ideas of how technology is enhancing our schools. Let's get straight into it, and I would like my three digital leaders who have helped me with this episode, I would like them to introduce themselves to you now. This month, we have Max, Maya, and Matteo. Hi, my name is Max, and I really wanted to become a digital leader because I really wanted to get involved in technology. My hobbies are rugby and golf, and I love technology. I really want to make my own podcast, as so I am doing a school podcast. Hello, my name is Mateo. I am a digital leader. My hobbies are football and tennis, and I'm really looking forward into this podcast. Hi, I'm Maya. I'm 10 years old, and I'm a digital leader at Edinburgh Academy. I do ice skating and swimming, and I became a digital leader because I wanted to learn more about coding and technology as well as having fun. So this month we welcomed Rachel Smith to our podcast and we are so excited to be able to share this interview with you today. We talk about how technology has helped students to become more reflective learners. We discuss what it means to be a reflective learner and the benefits that it brings to the classroom. Mrs Smith has been teaching languages for the last 20 years in a variety of secondary schools mainly in South Yorkshire, but lately on the Isle of Man. So, here is our interview with Rachel Smith. Rachel, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Martin? Lovely to be here with you. I'm well. It's always good to hear how you're getting on, have a chance to speak with you, hear what you're up to. yourself busy? Uh, Yeah, always busy. Very, very busy at school. And um, we've just had half term, so that was kind of nice to not be at school. But we were really busy on the island doing loads of outdoor activity stuff with my own children. So that was lovely. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's great to have you with us for our first ever teacher interview on our new Ed Connect podcast. So thank you for joining us. Um, You're more than welcome. Superb. I know I've got some of my digital leaders with me here today and they're very excited to speak with you and to ask you some questions and hopefully share some ideas about what we're doing 
um, in our school, in your school, and to see what, what comes from it, really. Um, Super, sounds great. Yeah, it might be a good idea just for us to start by um, having you tell us, everyone a little bit about yourself, your story, kind of what brought you towards being an educator and getting into education and how technology has impacted your role today. Yeah, okay, well, go, let's go with that. Um, so I um, never really wanted to be a teacher and uh, there are no teachers in my family, but I was at university in Aberdeen um, and uh, when, you know, like during the summer holidays, we've got to go and earn some money. Um, I used to work with some army cadets uh, during the summer holidays. So I did a fortnight with them and then I used to work for an outdoor education company. So Besides liking technology and being a teacher, one of the things I really like is, is being outdoors. So I used to work for this outdoor education um, company again in Scotland. Um, and I did that every summer. Um, and I really liked being with the kids and everything. But when it came time to graduate, I uh, applied for jobs at all sorts of places. But one of the places I applied for was um, Marks and Spencer. And I had an interview that was, was all going fine. And then I got to the end and it, I suddenly realized that business kind of wasn't for me. I, the, the interview didn't go too well and I, I started to sort of hate it. So I was like, oh, goodness, everything I thought I wanted, I, I don't want. Um, and then I decided to apply for a postgraduate certificate in education up in Aberdeen. And um, as you say, we never really look back. Um, in, in terms of technology and how I could have sort of got into technology and education, um, I moved to the island in 2007 and um, I'd had my kids and I was back at school and um, I'd had a pretty poor set of GCSE results and I was upset for myself and the kids and mostly the kids to be honest and um, I knew that I needed to refresh my teaching I knew I needed to do something and I was very close to leaving teaching I was like I, you know this really isn't for me I haven't done very well here I need to look for a job elsewhere um, mm. uh, so that was kind of a really difficult time in my career really and what I decided to do um, was just stick with it for a little bit and see how I got on. And then um, one day somebody came up to me and said, oh, actually, I've got these, these iPads and, I, and they're, they're, we're using them in some primary schools and I need somebody to test them in a secondary school. And I was wondering if you would test this iPad for me in your classroom. And so I was like, eh, yeah, OK. And actually, then I had to do some research because I didn't know what an iPad was because it was like a brand new thing. And I was like, OK, well, what am I going to do with this thing? Um, and uh, so I did some research and I joined Twitter and I followed a few people and um, I started to see that this was kind of really an important piece, an important tool for a classroom. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it changed the way that I taught in class. It changed the way that I view teaching. And uh, I then met a few Apple Distinguished Educators and I was like, do you know what? I think I want to be one of them. Mm. And so I worked kind of very hard. Um, in my classroom introducing technology to other teachers and so on and so forth and in 2015 I became an, an Apple Distinguished Educator so uh, that's how come I am where I am today really. Fantastic it's amazing how many people I speak to about their route into education how they became a teacher and stories are so similar and it maybe wasn't what they originally thought they were going to fall into um, but through the path that they take through other routes they've cut, found themselves in teaching and I think my story was very similar as well I did a business degree at university initially and thought I was going to go in, into marketing and advertising and then just had a change of heart and thought, actually, that's not what I want to do every day. And a bit like yourself then went into teaching. Um, so it's interesting just to hear the similarities there between stories. Yeah, I think really when you, I, because I was working with the kids in the summer and I just really enjoyed their company and seeing them grow in that little week's holiday that they had with us. 
um, on the um, it, with the adventure company, you start to sort, of, sort of think, oh gosh, you know, I, I quite like to spend my days doing this kind of thing, really. Absolutely. So I'm going to pass over to one of my digital leaders now, who's got the first of our questions, and we will see where we go next. Max. Okay. What's it like living and teaching on the Isle of Man? Do you think it's very different to school life in Edinburgh? Right. Well, um, is it very different to school life in Edinburgh? Let's talk about the Isle of Man first of all. So yeah. we, we, we're, we're an island um, in the middle of the Irish Sea, like bang slap in the middle of the Irish Sea. It's 40 miles to Liverpool-ish and 40 miles to Dublin. Um, and on a really, really nice day, you can stand on the top of the mountain and you can see England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales from our, from our island. So that's kind of cool. Um, but the island's not very big. It's 34 miles long and it's 15 miles wide. And it takes us about four hours to go by boat to either Dublin or to the UK. Of course, we've got an airport so we can fly. So that makes things a little bit quicker. So the difference is really that we don't travel as much. We spend a lot of time on our island. Um, and and my, my, my students very much sort of live within that 34-mile block of rock, as it were. Um, so living on the island is very different. I mean, sometimes if the boat doesn't come, like in winter, if we have a big storm, we're expecting a big storm this weekend. So I'm guessing our boat won't come. So that means that actually in Tesco's, we won't get any food that day. So our Tesco shelves will be very, very empty. Um, mm -hmm. So you have to kind of get used to that kind of stuff. We won't get any post and we won't get any newspapers. Um, so uh, we rely on the boat very much. And I think unlike you guys, you can probably just pop down to Sainsbury's down the road or whatever. We, we can't do that quite as easily. Um, I don't think school life is very different to Edinburgh, really. Um, our school day probably runs very similar to your school day. And we teach very similar subjects. Um, I think if you came to my school, you would you would like it very much. You wouldn't find it very different to your own school. We wear a uniform and uh, what have you. Um, the biggest difference is, particularly if you were in a primary school, is that one day a week, one lesson a week, you would have to learn Manx, which is the national language. Um, it's a it's like Gaelic um, or Gaelic, um, mm -hmm. and all the primary school children on the island have to have an hour's lesson of Manx every week. Um, so I guess that's a very big difference to what you experience in, in your schools. But um, I know we were chatting just before we started recording. I know you're all really super sporty. All the kids on the island are really super sporty. There's not very much um, stuff for them to do indoors. There's, everything's outdoors here. So they're all like cyclists. We have swimming pools and stuff, but we only have one cinema. Um, so there's not an awful lot of, of um, things for them to do. in and shock. So, Lots of one uh, cinema. Yeah, we only have one cinema, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we only have one Tesco's, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they do a lot of sport and a lot of, um, uh, all the schools play each other at sport, so that's, that's kind of nice. And in terms of obviously living in a quite a remote environment, would you describe it as remote? It... Yeah, well, I think in the winter it feels remote, yeah. Okay. Has that had any impact on your deployment of devices? I mean, I know the, the challenges that we faced when we first decided we were going to bring these devices into our school. You know, it took us a good year, two years to get our Wi-Fi infrastructure up and running. Um, we discovered that uh, on our junior school site, we were um, pretty much running on a home broadband well, cable for a, a while. <laughs> Has that had any impact on your deployment? Right. 
Um, well, like I said, we're quite a technological island. So we have, um, we, we are often a test bed for things. So I think we were the test bed for 4G actually before it became um, a, a big thing in the UK. Um, so so um, in terms of sorting our Wi-Fi out and the likes, not, not too big a deal really. Um, that's all sorted out centrally. It's not done school by school. So our government have a central um, tech group that help all the schools. Okay. Um, I suppose the most difficult thing is getting the hardware to the island. So we have to order it. We have to wait for it to be delivered. You know, that that's the most tricky thing. So, for example, in March, I ordered some uh, tech and it hasn't yet arrived. So, you know, that whole ordering shipment thing, I think, takes a little while sometimes just to go through the processes. Um, okay. And I, I, but we still have the odd day where our Internet isn't isn't great, but we do have super fast Internet. We, you know, um, I know some places, some rural places in um the UK have much worse internet connections than, uh, than we do. So we're very, very lucky in that respect. Maya, I believe you want to ask Mrs. Smith a question. Mr. Willis tells us that you write awesome blog posts and recently and that you recently discussed how that iPad encourages reflective learners. Would you able would you be able to tell us a little bit about that article and work that inspired it? Um yeah. So um, I've oh, actually at my school, we've we've changed the um, the way that we teach, I suppose, in a way we've, we've come up with a, a new program and a new method by which we all try and teach our lessons. And one of the elements in that is reflection. And um, I think sometimes we make our students. So you guys who are interviewing me, we make you work and work and work and work and work. But we never give you time to think about how well you're doing or how you could improve. Um, and so I've been quite interested in how I would actually get my own students to reflect on their learning, because there's actually a lot of research that says that being reflective or, or thinking about how you learn can actually really help you to improve your learning. So it's kind of important that we all do it. Um, and um, I'm on Twitter and, and I follow a number of people. And one of the people I've been following is a guy called Richard Hopkin. And he works, I think it's St. Cyrus School in Wales. And I hope I've pronounced that right. And, right. And, and he's a music teacher. And at the end of his units, what he gets his kids to do is he gets his students to make what he calls a vlog. So they record themselves talking. They put a bit of their music work into this vlog. And then they hand it into um, Richard and Richard marks it. Um, and I didn't really want to go that far down the line. I don't think we're quite ready for that. But um, what I decided to do with my students was significantly simpler. They just literally put their iPad up, turn the camera so it's on the selfie camera, so it's facing them. We discuss some questions that we, we put on the board in the classroom and they answer those questions. So those questions are something like, what did I think went well? What, what could I have improved? What activities did I like doing in this unit of work? What didn't I like doing? And what can I do or what can Mrs. Smith do to help me improve my learning? So those are the sort of five kind of questions-ish that they've been answering. Um, and they just record, it's about 15, 20 seconds of video, and then they share it with me. And it's really, it's really interesting to watch the students tell you um, what they think of your teaching, which they're quite happy mm -hmm. to do, but also to tell you how they see themselves as a learner. Like, oh, I think I did this well. Or in fact, some children just say, I don't think I did anything well. And that's a real, that's a real shame that somebody would feel that. 
Um, and I think it allows you to address lots and lots of things, not just misconceptions in work, but self-esteem or if you've got your whole class saying, oh, I couldn't really get to grips with the numbers 20 to 30 in Spanish. You know, as a teacher that you have to go back and, and sort of go over that and make sure they've got that gap filled in. Um, so, but yeah, it's a really interesting. It's a really interesting thing to do. And do you think your students reacted positively to that straight away or did it take some time for them to adapt and perhaps even for you to adapt and become confident in doing that? Um, I think the it depends. I've got some classes who are perfectly happy just to sit and chat into the video. The first the, the biggest question they ask me is, how am I going to start this off? <laughs> And so I go, well, why don't you try, hello, Mrs. Smith, because you've got to imagine you're speaking to me. Uh, so that was always a, yeah, oh, okay, right. Hi, Mrs. Smith. And so then they, 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 they kind of get into it. Um, some kids are really, really shy um, and they don't want to have their face on the video. They'd rather just, um, it were a black screen, but I don't let them get away with that really, because I think it's important that they try to overcome some of those things. Um, so some kids warm to it more than others. Um, lots of kids relate to it because it's a, that YouTube generation so they're used to watching um, people talk to them on YouTube about oh I don't know Minecraft or what have you in this way mm. um, so yeah it, it's been different for different classes um, yeah. you have to be as a teacher quite resilient because the, the students will tell you what they think so they will say do you know what I, I really hated that activity that we did <laughs> and you're like oh really I spent ages planning it <laughs> So you have to kind of get over yourself a little bit. Um, okay. But um, it is really, it's a, it's a revelation when you, when you watch those videos. It really is. Yeah, I'd be quite interested to hear, actually, with the three students I've got here with me today, what their thoughts would be. Did they like the idea of reflecting on what they're doing in the classroom by filming a little video and sending it to the, the teacher? Yeah, I'd like it. I don't know if I'd be confident, confident enough to like share it with the teacher. Okay. I would, because we've already done it. Aww. We did it in clips. We did it in clips? Yeah, we did it with Mrs. Boyd as well yesterday. Fantastic. So what were you doing with Mrs. Boyd yesterday? So yesterday, basically, because our, we were doing like resilience, we made little clips videos on how to be resilient, and we put music in it, and then we posted them on Shobi so Mrs. Boyd could see them. That's a good idea. So you used clips to share your thoughts and to post that quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that idea. Have you used um, Flipgrid before, Rachel? No, I keep reading a lot about it. No. Um, it looks interesting though, right? Yeah, it does look interesting. We've not really explored it properly. I downloaded it just the other week there. It's something I, I certainly want to explore and look at. because um, I think that could be a really useful platform. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. We've not really discussed the point yet that your primary subject is modern languages, isn't it? Yes. Uh -huh. And um, we've been doing a lot of work with our uh, teaching staff recently about accessibility and you were kind enough to um, help me with that presentation and you shared with me some um, guidance on information you shared with your staff and I know that went down very well on Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> ever had a response to a tweet quite like that with teachers who were keen to uh, learn more about the accessibility features um, available to them. My question to you would be, which accessibility feature do you think is having the biggest impact either with a specific student or within your subject is there a way that you're using accessibility features to support teaching either of all students or individual um okay yeah that's a good question um so i think 
uh, when we think about accessibility features, we maybe think about students who struggle with learning. But for me, accessibility features are about everybody. Everybody, like I use lots and lots of accessibility features myself. Mm. Um, now, one of my favorites and one of the ones that I think is dead simple to use is um, Reader View. Yes. So when, you've, when you um, put up a website, uh, you can tap the Reader View. There's like three little lines. You can tap the Reader View and it removes all the, I want to say trash from around the screen. So the screen becomes really clean. Um, and it makes it really easy to read. So I like that for myself. Um, yes. And I know certainly lots of students like that because I think everything else is quite distracting. You can have like distracting adverts and all sorts of nonsense, can't you? Um, and I also like that very quickly from that screen, you can change the background color of the screen and you can also change the size of the font. So that's quite nice if you're asking students to read something online. Um, mm -hmm. you can make it very, very easily accessible for them. Yeah. Um, the things I think we probably use most in class are um, speech to text. Yes. Um, and I use that in two ways. So like I have a, um, a whole load of kids who really struggle with writing. So that's lovely. Um, I can just change the keyboard into French or Spanish or whatever I happen to be teaching. And they can just press the record button. And they can speak into the um, iPad and it types everything in, in Spanish or French for them. And okay. it, it saves them from having to, you know, type slowly and painfully and, and make the less. I think when a lesson goes really slowly because you're struggling with something, it becomes really boring. Um, so. So, yeah, so that's quite a nice feature. But actually, for my brighter students, my super bright students, we use that same feature. Mm -hmm. And I'll give them a text maybe to read out or something. Um, and so they press record. It's in French, let's just say. So they press record and they read out all their French and it types beautifully into pages. And um, the thing that they have to then do is they have to go back and check all the errors and sort of debug the text. Um, because sometimes Siri doesn't pick up, your, you know, Siri doesn't pick up your voice very well or your accent isn't brilliant. And you can go through when you can go, oh, crikey, I didn't say the word bonjour very well because it's not typed it very well here. Okay. Oh, goodness, I can't. I, you know, I didn't say this very well because, again, it's not typed it very well. So it helps them to identify where their pronunciation is poor. OK. And, and also it helps them to go back and check for spellings and grammatical errors, you know, um, in French, particularly because um, lots of the sounds in French are very similar, particularly um, at the ending of verbs. So. Um, you know, it's good for them to go back and check, oh, gosh, is that in the imperfect or the perfect tense or what have you? Um, so that's it's an actual accessibility feature, but I use it for all learners. So um, I, I like that. And so just so I can get that right. So if, if you're speaking in French, let's say the um, speech to text will pick up the, the punctuation, put in all the French punctuation. Uh, yeah, so it'll, it'll, if you've got the keyboard in French. Yes. Um, so when you speak in French, it'll pick up all the spelling, obviously, right. if you say it right. Um, but just like if you wanted to put a comma in, you would have to say the word comma in French right. and it would put a comma in and question mark and all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, it will it'll try and spell. Well, if you say it properly, it will spell the word properly for you. Um, so, so it's a great way of practicing accent and pronunciation. Mm. I don't think I quite appreciated how powerful that was in a second language, but really useful. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. Um, it's like it's when you, when you show somebody it, they're just like, oh wow, I never, you know. You show a linguist it, they're like, oh wow, this is amazing. Just think of all the things we can do with this, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, 
yeah so uh, yeah I, I guess those are the two things that I, I use the most um and, and you can do uh text to speech so if kids struggle to read then obviously it will read back to them in French and yes. that's a nice way for them to hear a French accent although of course it's not as good as an actual human because obviously it's a little even though the iPads are brilliant, the voices yeah. are still a little bit AI, aren't they? You know, yeah. um, uh, but, it, you know, if they were at home and they didn't have me, they could always type a word into pages and they can listen back to it. And so that that's nice, really. OK, you know, it's little ideas like that. I always love having the opportunity to sit down and just catch up with you and see what you're up to and what you're using. We met up in the summer at um, Apple's a global institution in Texas, which was an incredible week. It was. In Austin. And then we actually were very fortunate. We both just happened to be in San Francisco at the time, in the week following that. And we had a great time, boys and girls. We met up. We went to the Exploratorium, didn't we? And just yeah, it's brilliant. How cool it would be to be able to bring a class to a place like that. Yeah, your students would love it. It was ace, wasn't it? It was so good. It was a really good day and had uh, dinner and... Um, Max, you were in San Francisco in the summer, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah, and we ate at Pier 23. You went there as well. You went there, did you? Oh, the food's great, right? Yeah. We had <laughs> Both had fish and chips, didn't we? We did, yeah, it was lovely. Very good. Um, but my next question would be kind of, apart from the fish and chips, what was <laughs> your kind of top takeaway from that? Uh, from, oh, from What's the one thing you took away from that and thought? that's going to change so much about what I'm doing. Well, can I just say that when I went, when I heard it was in Austin, I was, I didn't really know what to expect about Austin or Texas or anything. And first, the first thing that I took away was how amazing Austin was. Austin was in itself was amazing. So your students, if you ever get the chance to go to Austin, it is a brilliant city with really the most friendly people, the greatest food, and loads and loads and loads of really cool stuff to do. So Austin itself was brilliant. And I and it, I had literally no idea where I was going to or what it was going to be like, but it was the city itself was absolutely fabulous. So apart from my little travel thing, yeah. um, I because obviously I'm a linguist, when... Apple decided to put audio and drawing into keynote pages and numbers. I did sort of a little little dance around my classroom because all of a sudden it changed my workflow massively. Um, yeah. It meant that I could reduce the amount of apps that I was using because I was pretty much I was pretty much done and dusted. I got keynote pages and numbers. Um, yeah. And um, so my biggest takeaway. Um, I love Kino and I love Kino even more now that it's got audio. And actually, since I've come back from Austin, um, my students have used Kino an awful lot. We've, um, we've done lots of drawing in Kino. So I, I think recently I just tweeted out that we'd made speaking um, ID cards in French. Yeah. So the, kids, the kids had written out their ID card and then they had to, to use the audio to speak and say, hello, my name's John and I live in Douglas and I'm 12 years old and describe themselves. So they made a speaking ID card. So that's a recent thing that we've done. But we've used Keynote loads and loads and loads and loads um, since I've come back from Austin. Um, so, yeah, I love the drawing tool and I love the audio. Um, I've got another class who are using Pages because mm. that Pages now has that, those books and book templates. Um, so I created a, a book template for my class in Pages. And they're making speaking vocabulary books. 
So they've chosen a, uh, a language, a, a language that we don't teach in school, and they've made like a phrase book, mm-hmm. and and then they've added audio to it so that when you publish it, you know, you know, you can tap the the speech little speech circle and it'll tell you how to say each phrase which i thought was was kind of nice um, oh, yeah and i see yesterday that apple have just announced that you can now publish books to um the ibooks store directly from within pages i know it's really cool right that... directly which is fantastic we've not really looked at the the book templates yet um it's something i do want to look at but i remember in austin being asked an awful lot about did I think it would replace Book Creator? Mm. And I still I still love Book Creator, especially for slightly younger students, perhaps. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the two side by side would be really powerful. Yeah, I think there's a place for Book Creator. I think maybe in a secondary school, uh, Pages is more um, uh, a more sophisticated application, maybe. And maybe yeah. something that kids could get to grips with because they may well use it in the workplace or it'll certainly give them some ideas about design and layout, um, which I think Book Creator doesn't really, does it? It's very simplistic in, in a way, but brilliant for its simplicity. Exactly. That's the beauty of it in many ways. Yeah. Um, and I think the third thing that I came back from Austin was I'm not a big user of numbers, mm. um, but I happened to chat with Kelly, Kelly Croy, yes. um, a friend of ours, and um He'd done a session with Jody Dainheimer, I want to say, on numbers and uh-huh. using numbers to scaffold a lesson. Yeah. Um, and I sort of followed that up after Austin because I wasn't in that session. I was in oh. a keynote session at the time. I didn't go to the numbers session. Right. So it was just by this chance chat with Kelly that uh, um, he told me about this numbers activity thing. Um, mm. And so I followed it up when I came home and we've I, I've used it in, in class. So... Um, I've used a different sheet, one for vocabulary. And because you've got the audio, you can uh, demonstrate how each word is pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had like a thing where the kids had to take a photograph of something and label the photo with markup and then put their own audio on it. Um, so that worked really well. So scaffolding a lesson through the Numbers app mm. was a little bit of an eye-opener for me, I have yeah. to say. Um, I was pretty, pretty impressed. It was incredible just even then bring things like photographs into a numbers document, which I'd never really appreciated before. So yeah, it is certainly something I, I need to sit down with properly and look at and investigate in more depth. I mean, that was the first time I'd met Kelly. Uh, uh, he's he, a great guy. He's a great character. And I've just really, I hadn't really listened to many podcasts until I found his Wired Educator podcast. And that's very much the inspiration for what we're doing here today. But yeah, he's, he's a great great friend and great great contact to have his um he inspired the whole podcasting for me started with kelly as well but in berlin so mm-hmm. in the previous world um the previous global institute in berlin i i was in a session that kelly led on podcasting and he sort of got me all fired up and then i went and started listening to podcasts particularly him and now i'm a bit of a podcast addict i know um, so most of my conversations start with, I was listening to this really brilliant podcast and, yeah, my husband's about to kill me every time I say that sentence. And some people just don't get it yet. But I think especially now with the connectability to CarPlay and then just being able to listen to a podcast and start listening and get back in the car and continue that journey. Um, it's made, I've had quite a lot of journeys um, between Edinburgh and Manchester recently. Um, it's made those journeys much, much quicker. Yeah. 
it's good. It's, 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 they're a really good thing. I wish there were more podcasts for kids because I'd like to I'd like to play them in my tutorial lessons in the morning and things like that. But they're actually quite hard to find. Um, so okay. if any podcasters are listening and you'd like to make podcasts for children of a primary and secondary age, please could you do that? Fantastic. I think we need a new question. Mateo, have you got a question for us? Yeah. What are you most excited about at the moment? Is there a new app or theme that you want to explore or introduce to your students? Well, that's a good question. It's a good question. Now, um, it's not really a new app, but I got very excited the other day when there was a big clips update um, because there are new themes and new posters and new music and new stickers and new all sorts of things that's going on in clips. So. Right. Um, I've, I've not used clips that much this half term because like I said to you just a moment ago we've been using a lot of keynote um, so I'm excited to be able to explore clips a little bit with my students um, the other thing that I really really would like to introduce a little bit more of into my lessons is photography um, when I first became an Apple, Apple Distinguished Educator I um, hooked up with uh, Greg Hughes and he's a big iPhone photographer Mm -hmm. And he really got me into iPhone photography. Um, and this week's Apple Edgy Chat was all about photography and himself and Faye led it. Um, and through that whole chat, I got like a million different ideas of how I could use photography in the classroom. Um, and of course, there's the everyone can create books that are out now. And one of those is about photography. So um, I'm looking forward to bringing a bit of photography into my classroom. Um, Faye gave me a great idea about food photography. Okay. So when I teach food in languages, we're going to try and do some food photography. Um, she also gave me another little idea about tiny heroes. She'd done a project on tiny heroes, and I okay. think that would fit fit nicely. She got like little little men like the size of Lego men, I suppose, and uh -huh. put them in all sorts of different places to make them look like they were full size beings. Um, so that was kind of wow. cool because that will definitely fit into into a language learning thing and um and also portraits i think we could do a lot of things with taking portraits of each other and describing each other and um really looking at each other and thinking gosh how can i take a really really nice photo of you and and then obviously describe that in a foreign language so yeah looking forward to looking at new clips well updated clips and uh, definitely getting some more photography in my classroom i remember i wrote a blog post just when clips was first launched and there was a lot of excitement on Twitter about clips and how powerful it was going to be in the classroom. And I think I titled that um, blog post, I think I was asking if I was missing something, I didn't quite see how powerful it was going to be, but just seeing some of the work that students are creating within clips and teachers as well, educators as well. Um, it's a great app, it really is. Yeah, I think you can use it in a lot of ways. I think kids can show you exactly what they know very easily. But just before I came on air with you guys, I was, looking at making a clips video for my year eight class they'd done a piece of speaking work and their pronunciation wasn't so great so I'm going to be using clips to provide a little video for them so that they can practice their pronunciation of certain phrases at home so as a teacher that's one way that I can use it but students can use it to show what they know they can use it to uh, you can use it for a formal assessment not formal assessment but like informal assessment and um, you yeah. can easily take a photograph and put stickers and all kinds of stuff and voice and everything on it. So uh, yeah, I think it's a really super flexible app. And I think 
probably when Apple designed it, I don't think they realised that educators were going to quite take a hold of it in the way that we have and sort of really run with it. I think you're right. I really don't think it was what it was in t- uh, initially intended for, but um, it's very much lending. It's that way now. Itself that yeah. way now. Um, you, you touched on portraits as well. We did something um, at the start of the session on the back of one of the sessions. Um, I'm going to do this whole bit again. You talked about portrait photography, um, and we did something really cool at the start of the session on the back of one of the presentations we saw in Austin um, using the silhouette project within the everyone can create curriculum. Yeah. Can anyone, do you remember doing that activity at the start yeah, of the year? Did, can you remember what we did? Uh, so we made, like, we took a picture of ourselves with our heads in the sky and then we, like, used a lightning tool and we made it darker and stuff when we got just, like, our face in it. We put adjectives around it to describe ourselves. Mm. So yeah, nice it's a, activity. Yes, it's a nice way to start the school year, isn't it? And um, it's a nice way to get to know maybe a new class and for each other. I mean, if they don't know each other, for them to get to know each other. I think it's a, a lovely way to start a, a school session. Absolutely. And just nice to show them how powerful that camera can be and the editing tools. And if they actually take that time just to take care over the settings, how powerful that impact can be. I think, I think lot, lots of people underestimate the power of the camera. Rachel, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much for offering to be the first guest on our podcast and for sharing your thoughts. I saw on Twitter that your students have recently started a podcast. How's that going? Um, yeah, it's great. The uh, kids have written, produced and um, uh, developed the podcast themselves. Um, we use the Anchor app to help us uh, get, it, get it out there. Um, and it's now, it's now available on loads and loads of platforms, actually. But Apple Podcasts is probably the easiest one to get hold of at Overcast. I don't know if it's on Podbean. It's called the um, it's called Hello St Ninians. Our school is called St Ninians, so it's called Hello St Ninians. Um, and in it, we celebrate the community and the people within our school school community. So there's a little bit about you know a little bit of a bulletin and a little bit of a sports report at the end. But in the middle, it's made up of an interview of somebody who's within our school community. So our first one was our head teacher. We got a new head teacher um, last September. So we interviewed him about um, his first year in the post. Um, so, yeah, if you'd like, it's very short. It's only about 12 minutes long. So if you'd like to have a listen, it's called Hello, St. Ninians. Fantastic. Yeah, I had a listen to the, the first episode. I think your students have done a great job of that. And I'm hoping that after today, our students will become a bit more confident and they'll be able to take more and more of a lead in this podcast creation because I think it's a great way to encourage creativity and to show that everyone can create yeah absolutely i think it's great yeah fantastic um if any of our listeners want to reach out to you and make contact with you what's the best way for them to to do that so you, you're on twitter of course i am i'm on um, i'm on twitter my twitter handle is at lanks last rach i'm from lancashire so it's l-a-n-c-s l-a-s-s-r-a-c-h lanks last rach um, and that's the same for all sorts of things. Instagram, if you want to look at any of my photography of the island, uh, Pinterest. And also I have a blog, which is lankslastrach.wixsite.com forward slash redefine. Fantastic. Superb. Well, once again, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's been great fun, great listening to your ideas and great sharing some ideas with you and um, I look forward to catching up soon.
Yes, lovely. Thanks ever so much, guys. You've been absolutely brilliant. I wish you all the success with your podcast. I know it's going to be a real hit. We hope you enjoyed your first podcast. Make sure to leave us your feedback and hope to join us next time.